Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. When David cheated with Bathsheba, finally God sent Nathan the prophet to the king David. And Nathan told him a story about two neighbors and Many of you are familiar with the story, and the, the basic idea is that the rich neighbor took the one little ewe lamb and killed it for his guests, and you know, he had everything he could have chosen from all these flocks, and he took the neighbor's one little lamb that was kind of their pet and killed it and served it to his neighbors. And when Nathan the prophet tells the story to the king, David's enraged. He's mad at what this man did. But then you remember what Nathan the prophet says to David. He says, you are that man. When David heard those words, he said, I've sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, the Lord also has taken away your sin. You shall not die, however. This is 2 Samuel 12, 13 and 14. Because by this deed you have given occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. The child also that is born to you shall surely die. Heavy. But what Nathan's message was is, yeah, God is going to be gracious to you, David. But don't think there's not consequences when this kind of stuff happens. Yes, God will forgive you if you do something as a Christian. If you went and robbed a liquor store after this Bible study, and I pray that nobody does that. But if you did that, and you got caught, and you go to jail... And you ask God for forgiveness, would he forgive you? The answer is yes. Are you getting out of jail? Probably not. God will allow us often to swim in the consequences we create. I know that's not happy news, but we all know that's reality. And so just because we have the blessing of God and we're children of God, it doesn't mean that when we behave as you know, uh, not lights in the culture that there isn't an impact on the unbelieving world. In fact, there are some unbelievers sitting around dinner tables tonight talking about stories from 20 and 30 years ago why they saw some hypocrisy and that's why they don't go to church anymore. Some of them are still hanging their hat on stories like that because they watch us live a contradiction. Now, thank God for his grace, and we don't want ever, ever, ever the world to think we've arrived, but, you know, this man, he rebuked uh, Isaac, and Abimelech charged all the people, saying, he who touches this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. God is good, though, right? All of a sudden, the pagan king is protecting now uh, Isaac and his wife, Rebekah. That's how good God is. Now Isaac sowed in the land, in that land, and reaped, this is verse 12, Genesis 26, he reaped in the same year a hundredfold. This is amazing. This would be an incredible crop in a good time, let alone a hundredfold reaping in a time of famine. This was a miracle, and the Lord blessed him. And the man, that is Isaac, became rich and continued to grow richer until he became very wealthy. The phrases that should leap out on our Bible pages are that he sowed and he reaped because we know that they appear in the New Testament. And the Bible says, God is not mocked for whatever a man sows that he will what? Also reap. If you sow to the flesh, you will of the flesh 
reap corruption. If you sow to the Spirit, you will reap what? Everlasting life. In 2 Corinthians 9, Paul says to the Corinthian church, he's addressing giving. He says, he who sows sparingly shall what? Reap sparingly. He who sows generously shall reap generously. The principle from farming carries over to the spiritual life. Here's what it simply is. If you, re- if you sow a good amount of seed, you're going to reap probably the equivalent harvest. Whatever you sow, you reap. If you sow to the flesh, then you're going to reap that equivalent harvest. It's true. This is the principle in the Bible. The Bible does not teach the law of karma. Please, Christians, don't say karma. It doesn't teach the law of karma. That's a new age philosophy. That's, has, that's all connected to reincarnation and whether or not you're coming back as a princess or a fruit fly. That's not Christianity. Christianity does not teach reincarnation. Christianity teaches you have one life, you live it, and then the judgment comes. No second chances. You don't do this again and again and again. But the Bible does teach a law of sowing and reaping, and that is this, that if you sow and you invest in spiritual things, they end up coming back to you spiritually. It doesn't always mean financial blessings, but sometimes it can mean that. But it means that you're going to reap what you sow. You sow to the wind, you reap the whirlwind, you sow to the Spirit, and he blesses. For he had possessions, 14, of flocks and herds and a great household. So the Philistines envied him. They're like, what's up with this dude? This area is in famine, and this guy's got bumper crops coming left and right. What's he doing? Have you ever had a non-Christian ask you about that? I remember when I was coaching baseball, many of the coaches in the Little League thought that I had some extra anointing on my Little League team. And it was true. In fact, I'll tell you one story. This is a great story. I'll never forget this story. We were in a tournament. Some of the coaches had this notion that I had this special extra blessing. They were even afraid to play my teams. And we were in a tournament game. Everything was on the line. And this team, uh, I think we were tied with them, and they had a couple runners on, and our right fielder had just made an error, and uh, we were in deep trouble. It was the bottom of the last inning. And so one of our dads said, we need a triple play. So the kid who had just made this terrible error, the balls hit fairly deep to him. He made the catch, threw to the plate. The guy was tagging from third to win the game. The kid slid over home plate, but he never got his foot down, and my middle son, Nathan, caught the ball, dove, tagged him. He was out. The runner going from second to third was thrown out by Nathan, and we got a triple play. I was about this high off the ground, jumping up and down. Praise the Lord! (laughs) And the other coaches on the other end of the field were like, where's he going to church again? It's good. Hopefully we're the envy of people, not because we're walking around strutting around like, yeah. But because people look at our families and look at how we're calm in certain situations. Look at how we handle adversity. Look at the wisdom that flows out of our lives and they say, wow. 
That's pretty cool. What is it about your family? What is it about the way you guys approach life? Now, all the wells which his father's servants had dug 15 in the days of Abraham, his father, the Philistines stopped up by filling them with earth. Now, when people envy you, it doesn't mean they're going to come up and ask you to write a parenting book. <laughs> That's not how it always works. Some people may say that, but other people will just try to stop up your wells. You know what I'm saying? They will try to do some dastardly stuff to get in your way. And you may be experiencing that tonight at your company or in your school. God's been blessing you. And there's other people that are around you that are not happy about it. They don't like the, the flow of blessing that's coming into your life, so they try to stop it up. And so they did. They filled them with earth. And Abimelech said to Isaac, go away from us. You're too powerful for us. Get out of here. I had a couple of Jehovah's Witnesses come to my door one morning years ago. I used to put coffee on for them and be waiting. I, I was a young Christian and I was a little over the top in my methods, I must confess. And the Jehovah's Witnesses showed up and I was so excited. Yeah, yeah! <laughs> I was getting all my training, ready to use my latest tactics. And so they agreed to come in. I think, it was the, I think it was the original visit. They sat on my kitchen table, and, and we went back and forth, and I kind of cornered them in this argument, not that I'm that smart, but because we have the true Bible and the New World Translation is a bit of a problem. But anyway, and so I kept calling this guy on his uh, view, and I, I said, well, is Jesus the true God or a false God? I had him cornered in this argument where he had to admit that either Jesus was God or he had to be a false God because he believed there was only one true God and he didn't believe Jesus was God. So then I forced his hand and I kept forcing him and he kept saying, Michael, truth is like a river. It flows and the river gets stronger. And I'm like, is Jesus a true God or a false God? So Michael, truth is like a bridge. You see your street out there? You're not that smart. You're kind of a young man. You don't know what's going on. I said, is Jesus a true God or a false God? We went around for about five times. My dog climbed into its doghouse. <laughs> Family went on vacation. <laughs> and finally, in exasperation, I looked at the young man who happened to be kind of the new convert tagging along. I said, what do you think? I said, has he, the older gentleman, answered with reason from the big biblical text, logic, or anything having to do with context? And the young man said, no. No, he hasn't. In fact, I think you're too smart for us, and we're leaving now. Okay, I will say this. I tell that story probably mostly for humor purposes, but I did not handle that in a great way. But... The, when the guys walked out, I said, will you take some literature and, and will you take this? And the guy said, no, I would only take it if you came to my door, but I came to your door. I was like, okay, so do I need to follow you home then? <laughs> but these guys just said, hey, you have the God of the Bible with you. You're too powerful for us. There's something going on here that's supernatural. And we want you to leave. And Isaac departed from there and camped in the valley of Gerar and settled there. Then Isaac dug again the wells of water, which had been dug in the days of his father Abraham. He's again following in his dad's footsteps. And for the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham, and he gave them 
the same names which his father had given them, I think, to authenticate family ownership. And when Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found there a well of flowing water, that is a spring, this is very unusual, the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with the herdsmen of Isaac, saying, the water is ours. So he named the well Esek because they contended with him. The word Esek means contention. And Isaac, you know, he was getting blessed, but he was getting opposition. And sometimes when you're getting blessings, you, you need to know it's probably not sometimes, it's always, you're always going to have opposition. There's always going to be some more out there who's not happy about your message or happy about what's going on in your life. Just expect it, guys. Just expect it. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against what? Principalities and powers. We're going to struggle, but God is with us. And so Isaac just kept digging. He kept moving on and digging. They dug another well, 21. And they quarreled over it too, and he named it Sitna. Sitna means hostility or opposition. It's like you read this account, he said he dug another well, and he dug another well, and here's what I just want to say to you about that. Digging another well, digging another well has to do with perseverance, and we just got to hang in there. You, you can be a blessed person, but it doesn't mean that you're not going to have problems. And it's like, you know, how long did it take to dig these wells? I'm sure it wasn't easy work. And they do it, and then there would be a fight. Or they do it, and then there, someone would try to stop up the work that they had done. Talk about frustration. And God, you know, the Bible says that God gives perseverance in Romans 15, 5. If you need perseverance, God gives it. Write, write it down. It's Romans 15, 5. When Jesus ta is talking to the well, woman at the well, he says everyone who's who uh, drinks this water shall thirst again. This is John 4, 14. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall become in him a well of water springing up to what? To eternal life. God never runs out of living water. God never runs out of perseverance. God never runs out of grace. Never. He just keeps giving it. If you'll just keep showing up with your little cup, he'll keep filling it up. He never runs out. He just keeps giving grace upon grace. All you got to do is call and he will answer. He'll give you preemptive grace. He'll give you Grace, in the pivotal moments of life, we can call upon our great high priest who is there. We can go to a throne of grace and receive helpy, help and mercy in our what? Helpy, <laughs> help and mercy. That's a, just making it up as I go along here. It's a good word. God gives you helpy. I don't know if you knew that. <laughs> and mercy in your pivotal moments. He'll give you preemptive grace. He'll give you pivotal moments grace. And even if you make a mistake, he'll give you grace for the things that you did in the past. God is good all the time. I'm not always good. I need a lot of helpy, personally. <laughs> Verse 22. 
And he moved away from there and dug another well and they did not quarrel over it. Oh, praise God. Are you sometimes surprised? They're not fighting. What did you do? I hit them both. I hit them. They're both passed out. That's why they're not fighting. Have you ever had moments like that? You're so used to quarrels and then all of a sudden it's quiet in the house. You're like, what happened? No. But man, finally, Isaac, the son of laughter, the blessed one, finally, there was no quarrel. He looked around and he named the place Rehoboth. That means that there's room, roominess, is the Hebrew word, finally. At last, he said, the Lord has made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. Look, this is a son of promise, you guys. And he had to battle. But the battle belongs to who? To the Lord. We've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Jesus Christ. Every spiritual blessing in Christ. But it doesn't mean we're not going to have our battles. But I pray you'll come to a place where you don't have to dig wells anymore and you can just kick back. And he went up from there to Beersheba. Beersheba is a place where his dad had prospered. And now Abraham, or excuse me, Isaac is now moving back towards the promised land. And the second time in the chapter, the Lord appeared to him the same night, right after that final well and that blessing and room and finally. And he said, I am the God of your father Abraham. Do not fear, for I am with you. I will bless you and multiply your descendants for the sake of my servant Abraham. Some of you just need to mark that verse. Don't fear. I am with you. Don't be afraid. I am with you. So Isaac built an altar there. That means he's becoming a man of worship. And he called upon the name of the Lord, which means to worship, but it could also imply that he became a preacher. And he pitched his tent there, and there Isaac's servants dug a well. He pitched his tent here in the promised land. And Abimelech came to him from Gerar with his advisor, Ahuzaph and Phicol, the commander of his army. And Isaac said to them, why have you come to me since you hate me and have sent me away from you? Sometimes we'll be surprised. Unbelievers or enemies will come to us after some time and say, you know what? Something like this. We plainly see. We see plainly that the Lord has been with you. So we said, let there now be an oath between us, even between you and us. Let's make a covenant with you. In this same chapter, in verse 3, God says, I will be with you. In verse 24, he says, I am with you. And in verse 26, the enemies say, the Lord has been with you. All three tenses, if you will, of God's promises. R. Kent Hughes writes these words in his commentary. He says, I cannot vouch for the authenticity of the following delightful story, but the account circulates of a young Chinese convert named Lo, L-O, and his intense excitement when he first read Matthew 28.20 in the King James Version. It says, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. <laughs> How personal is that? Certainly Lo understood the Chinese-English coincidence, but it nevertheless affirmed in a memorable and joyous way what is absolutely eternally true for all believers. In a more sober vein, the King James Version language, King James language of Matthew 28, 20 is the inscription that adorns my father's grave marker in Forest Lawn, California. 
where it was engraved over 50 years ago, lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus' word to Graham W. Hughes is my father's eternal reality and joy in heaven and my comfort in this world. Believing that God is always spatially and specially with you is life-altering. If you believe it as Isaac came to believe, it will change your life forever. Sometimes we have to arrive at our altars. It's not always automatic. But they said, look, we don't want you to do us any harm. You're a powerful guy, 29. We have not touched you and have not done you uh, nothing but good and have sent you away in peace. That's not exactly right, but you are now, would you mark this, Bible students? You are now the blessed of the Lord. You are. Do you believe that tonight? I am. You are the blessed of the Lord. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. You are the blessed of the Lord. Do you believe it? Amen. Then he made, a, he made them a feast and they ate and drank and in the morning they arose early and exchanged oaths. This is something that Abraham had done with these leaders from this region as well. And Isaac sent them away and they departed from him in peace. And now it came about on the same day, mark that Bible students, we're almost done, that Isaac's servants came in and told him about the well which they had dug and they said to him, we have found water. So he called it Shibba. Therefore, the name of the city is Beersheba to this day. The famine account that started in verse 1, saying there was a famine in the land, ends with a flowing spring of water. From famine to flowing springs of water. That's what God does because we are new creations in Christ Jesus. Amen? The old is gone. The new has come. Abundance of water in the midst of famine. This is what people will see. But it wasn't all perfect. When Esau was 40 years old, he married Judith, the daughter of Beri, the Hittite, and Bezmath, the daughter of Elon, the Hittite. And they, that is the wives, brought grief to Isaac and Rebekah. Esau's poor decisions brought grief to mom and dad, even though we have this great picture of living water. I take you to Isaiah 12, and we're done. Isaiah 12. Go to your right. This is a scripture that is shared at the Feast of Tabernacles. Shane, if you can hear my voice, would you come on up? And uh, we'll close out the service. Isaiah 12, let's start at verse 1. This is red. This is uh, the picture of the Feast of Tabernacles. The Feast of Tabernacles is in the fall. We're coming up on it. It's the, one of the, it's the last fall feast of Israel. It's there that they remember building sukkahs in the desert, the little shelters, and they built them around the tabernacle of God. And the picture is that God would tabernacle among his people. And interestingly enough, the shapes of the tribes around the uh, tabernacle of God made a cross. That's how they went out in the Feast of Tabernacles, and this is what they read in the, in the uh, nighttime, or excuse me, the daytime celebration. You will say in that day, Isaiah 12, 1, ESV, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, for thou, for though you were angry with me, your anger turned away, that you might comfort me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust 
and will not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation, and you will say in that day, Give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples, proclaim that his name is exalted. We all have rough edges around us, and it's not so much that we can try to change ourselves, but it's allowing us to set our pride aside and ask and invite the Holy Spirit to change us. And so with all these rough edges, as you said, growing moments, we should allow and, you know, just have these things just brushed off us so that someone who knew us before we were Christians can see the huge difference in us now. Uh, Further down in the chapter, Oscar, God reminds him, uh, this is uh, verse 24. He says, and the Lord appeared to him the same night and said to him and said, I am the God of your father, Abraham. Do not fear I am with you. I will bless you and multiply your descendants. So it's repeated again and there's, you know, the digging of wells and stuff is going on here. But it's like even after this mistake, God reiterates, I'm with you. I love you. I'm going to bless you. And I think as a Christian, those have been some of the most heartening moments of my own walk is to have fallen on my face, skin my knee, and then God reiterate a promise like, Mm. Michael, I'm with you. And not an excuse for sin. Grace is never an excuse for sin, Oscar. But but I still think knowing God's love for us is amazing after we make mistakes. And um, that's, that's part of what we need to hear, I think, sometimes. Amen to that. And as we saw Isaac uh, stumble there briefly, even the world, Abimelech had noticed that he was God's chosen or God was with him. And the world does that with us even though at one point they may threaten us they may want to make fun of us or uh, ostracize us because we are christians they know who to ask for prayer when things go wrong and they wanted to make an oath between the two groups really that so everything would be well with them right so that they knew the hand of the lord was on isaac hey if you're a if you're a christian the hand of the lord is on you praise god he chose you you're the beloved and chosen of god and and we want to walk out uh, what we are uh, by position we want to walk that out practically that's part of the reason living truth radio exists is to help you in your walk with jesus christ and if you're a christian that's why we exist and we would appreciate your prayers if we can pray for you in any way use the contact form at livingtruthradio.org that's livingtruthradio.org and just put in there hey this is my name and here's where i listen and here's how you can pray for me and if the program's been a blessing to you let us know share a story with us a faith story something that god did through this radio broadcast would really be a blessing to us again that is livingtruthradio.org you can also give to the radio program by clicking on the donate button and uh, we just would deeply appreciate your prayers and your financial support for this radio broadcast. On behalf of Andy Chapel, working the board today, and Oscar Santa Cruz, this is Pastor Michael Lance. We'll catch you next time on Living Truth Radio. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, learn more about our church in Corona, or to access archived messages, go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the church tab. You can follow us on Instagram at Living Truth Corona or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org.